Yeah, I don't know if you can, like, qualify how violent a Wolverine story is gonna get like that. Like, do you think it's, like, number of number of stabs, number of kills, number of gore? I don't know how... Like, Wolverine has been pretty violent. And I guess Sabretooth is a pretty violent guy, so it's like... If you add those together... Welcome. This is Stan Lee of Marvel Comics warning you to look around you. Your classmates, your friends, you never know which one of them may be terrorist mutants who plan to destroy the human race. Mutants. I hate them. It has come to my attention that you have a mutant power. He's a mutant. A stinking mutant. Don't you remember what it was like when you first discovered you were a mutant? faces our own worst fears in a haze of mushroom spores. Kiwi finds himself at a theater, but there's no movie playing. Holly faces a classroom, but scary. I lie awake, stagnant, stuck, unable to move forward, indecision or indecisiveness, having stifled forward momentum in my life. And Janos is scheduling the work weeks of heroes that appear in too many series to possibly have time for everything. That was a good intro. I liked that. Yeah. Hello. Good. I I had that happen to me when I went to see Friday the 13th. And oh my god. I got sound working. <laughs> and, and there was a drunk guy who was really annoying behind me. Oh, oh no. Yeah, horror movies can have some rowdy audiences, unfortunately. Yeah. This guy was like, as the movie started, before we realized that the sound was fucked, he was like doing doing a monologue of like what the opening narration would be or something. <laughs> um, Has he seen it so many times or? I, yeah. Like, was it and accurate? Then, well, I don't know because I never heard what. <laughs> I never watched the damn movie. <laughs> so, did you end up not being. Did, did they not fix the sound? No, I, I left after like 40 minutes because it had been 40 minutes. Oh my um, god. And I was, it was like, uh, Friday the 13th was on at 8 o'clock. I was going to see the Taylor Swift concert movie at 10. So even if they had started it, I would have missed the start of that. And that was the one I actually paid money for because oh, well, Friday the 13th was part of the like subscription thing I do. Mm. Uh, so... It, it, I mean, I guess I'm paying money for it, but it's like it felt free. Um, <laughs> but fucking t- t- Taylor Swift can't, uh, 
she, she's not included in that. She gets special <laughs> dispensation to... See, when I saw you log that Taylor Swift movie, I was like, oh, I'm sure it's going to be because, like, it's on the subscription or some shit. <laughs> no, I just you want just wanted the novelty to see it. of going to see it. I mean, um, I'm te- I, was... I was tempted, but uh, but then Killers of the Flower Moon came out, like, the same week, so... Yeah. I was I was booked in like for Friday the thirteenth at eight o'clock and then I was like, okay, what movie can I see before this? Because if I go into work, then I can just go straight from work to cinema to cinema. I went to see Mean Streets in the like fancy cinema. So that was cool. And then it was like that was like timed out perfectly that I just got to Friday the thirteenth when it should have started, but it didn't. And then it would have timed out perfectly for me to go to the next movie, but uh, then it didn't. <laughs> So um, much movie in a day, like at yeah, movie theater. I respect it. You're, you're I watched uh, it. five horror movies yesterday evening. <laughs> um, Janosch, how was the uh, Marvel's advert before Killers of the Flower Moon, which I like to imagine was placed there in <laughs> a one-sided war of Marvel against Martin Scorsese? But it was weird because it wasn't even like a real trailer. Because when I went to see Killers of the Flower Moon, they were showing, like, some ads. Like, when the lights were still on, and they showed, like, a a trailer for Marvels, and then just, like, a bunch of commercials. And then the lights went down, and then they showed the real trailers. Like, then they showed, like, (laughs) Doom 2 and... uh, Trying to remember what what other series, movies. Oh, the new, like, Yorgos movie, like... It's like not even the cinema itself considered Marvels to be like a, a real movie. <laughs> oh man, I, I am excited for June 2 when that comes out. I was just like, my main thought about Realm of X and Alpha Flight, and I mean, even, but, but Ms. Marvel is a different thing, but even that was like very nothing to me is just I was just thinking that I can kind of get why you would want to do a Tom Brevoort complete overhaul <laughs> because this this needs to be stopped <laughs> like <laughs> there yeah it's just such a weird state that it's in that it's like everything is meant to be important and also none of it matters yeah because it's all going to finish in four issues and like we'll talk about it with like realm and uncanny avengers but like the compressed schedule seems to be doing worse and worse things to the quality of the books as well <clears throat> the mutant hub about flight fight off the box sentinels and escape but can't get the whole of them back to Krakoa North because Nemesis is too weakened by the fight. The other half of our flight center intercept and a shock to learn Nemesis is Heather Hudson in Krakoa North and mutants who have been rescued are impatient and worried about leaving for Chandelar. I have one note. It reads, It's Heather. I think Kiwi called this one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was the one that I. <laughs> it was the only person it I... could have been. Like, <laughs> yeah. But this is it such was a. Not a... I guess let's talk about the end first, because um, there's not really m- much more. I mean, we've already said uh, our piece about Box Sentinels. The only thing I can add to the whole Box Sentinel threat is that it was like a funny idea for one issue. It d- absolutely does not 
hold as a threat for five issues. <laughs> it's they're even very easily defeated in this issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's also revealed that there are only um twelve of them. Uh, which is like kind of underwhelming after seeing in uh children of the vault last week that there are two armies that orcus has under them but they alpha flight they're sending 12 after well i guess they sent them after um what's his name um flashback livewire Who's also they they bring up his like having died and being in the resurrection queue, um, yeah. Which is like kind of interesting. Offhand, the like, oh, Alpha Viber. Flight it's has feedback. cloning technology. Yeah, but they can only it's have kind of... twelve box sentinels. <laughs> okay, this gets into this weird like editorial choice. I guess that we've been we've been picking on the little like asterisks. And they keep making very interesting choices what to explain as a reference and what not. Like last time they explained why uh, the Captain America of the Rails had uh, had a force shield or some shit. Yeah. Uh, in the Infinity comic. In this one, it's he says they'd done it before with Guardian, like the cloning things. Check your back issue bins for Alpha Flight 1997 number one. Like, that's not, that's not a run that, like, you can't pick up at your comic They're store. advertising Marvel Unlimited again. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you think is happening there? It's also, at that point, it is just a joke. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Remember how old, remember there's old comics, kind yeah. of? Yeah. Or maybe it's like, just this, this author really like that comic or something <laughs> but yeah it's just I so get, like it feels like ed brisson is the only alpha flight fan out there <laughs> and john burnley <laughs> uh it's i i just keep like the the one thought i have about alpha flight every time we have an issue is who is this for and this is connected to the reveal because we get an explanation to which issue you need to find to learn about department H cloning technologies. But then at the end, it's the, the, the issue, it's almost comical the way this pays off, but I don't think in a good way. Like, I don't think it's a well executed joke, even if they like maybe leaned into it on purpose. But the issue has Nemesis revealed on the cover. And then they take off the mask and they're like, no, 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 no. And then they say, Heather, my love, what did they do to you to be continued? So this either means absolutely nothing to you. Or like Kiwi did on this podcast, it was immediately obvious that it's going to be her. I mean, there's like one other popular alpha flight character right so if you're this yeah. middle person who's like aware of alpha flight checking out alpha flight for the first time this is a super easy call to make for sure not to undermine your call kiwi you did a great job i'm very proud of you <laughs> thank you uh I, yeah i didn't i didn't think it was a uh a, a, a sick sick reveal at yeah. a time or anything but uh 
<laughs> you weren't feeling like uh, like when you read an Agatha Christie book and like know the murder or like before before they get revealed. <laughs> yeah, it's this is just so bewildering. Like even if they like maybe do it jokingly with the nemesis revealed on the cover, it's just it's just baffling. I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, is this is is the next one the last issue or does this one have five? There's two more. There's five There's issues of more. Alpha Flight. Okay. You only get four of Children of the Vault. <laughs> but five of Alpha Flight. Alpha yes. Flight gets five. <laughs> I don't know. I I like the this issue. Good. I just didn't have enough a lot to say about it. Um the, the moment though that I I liked the most and I wish they stuck to, and this is my final Alpha Flight thought, the conversation that Laurent and Kyle have is really good and it starts to get down to uh like it's a conversation about displacing people um that need to be refugees um and that's interesting and that's like speaks to the larger narrative and i'm a little annoyed we don't get more of that in this issue than like alpha flight um past dynamics more than like this is a bit of a pitch for an alpha flight book i i guess you know yeah and that's fine like that's chill and like honestly that the reveal of it being heather doesn't bother me that much because i'm okay with being able to like predict um stuff like that i think it's fun to be able to call it out like early but um i do think like overall this book could be shifting its focus in a way that's more interesting than what we're getting than like the repeat of a 60 year old narrative about these canadian superheroes yeah i agree it's like yeah it's it's one that suffers from like half the issue having to be a fight that doesn't matter um like yeah if there was just a bit more krakoa north stuff and like getting into this this crisis they're going through i think that would do a lot for it but because that stuff is interesting um but other than that it's just kind of meh i think the only way they could have made alpha flight interesting for the krakoa era is started earlier like this is this is too late for introducing a another superhero team with a long history that the casual readers won't care about yeah. <laughs> I'd give it five issues. They would have been better picking up, like, um, I don't know, like, a book that already existed in the Krakoa era and just giving it another five issues. Like, yeah. checking in and seeing what's going on and with those characters while this is all going on. Yeah, yeah. just fucking do five more issues of Betsy Braddock. Like, I didn't even care about those books, but that would have <laughs> been, like, a th- something that I can see there being a market for. Maybe I don't know how many Batsu fans there are really out there. Um, Not enough for Marvel. Yeah, just do one less book. I don't care. Give it's me more fucking books. exterminators. That's really what I was yeah, trying to say a true. minute ago. It's like give me yeah. an exterminators in the fall era book. That would slap. Oh fucking <sighs> yeah. I could. Boom Boom could make so many people explode, and it would all be very justified. You can't extend the books by the women. Like, what, what do you think this is, DC Comics? 
Realm of X number three, written by uh, Torin Gronbach, uh, art by Bruno Oliviere, uh, and colors by Rain Barato. Saturnine sends soldiers to fight the four mutants, and they are defeated. Magic sneaks into see Curse and tries to convince her that she is being tricked. Curse gets mad at Saturnine and breaks the seal, stopping magic in this realm. And also Saturnine snags a little bit of, uh, of dust and has it in a bottle. Oh, yeah, I didn't Bottles. really notice that. <laughs> Does she? <laughs> yeah, it's because this book doesn't really point to its best moments as well as it could. Uh, do you want to give your defense of why the art is good? I think the art's fine. Yeah, I, I agree. I just think it's a baffling change in like tone and like choice to change to such a different artist for the third issue of a four issue mini it's just i can see the like i don't think the artist is terrible i can see art of parts of it being good like it's dynamic it's got good like you know body movement it just look like looks like at some point in the process of shipping this book it looks like one step didn't get finished or it's, it looks like something. They forgot to do the eyes. They forgot they to just... do the eyes. Oops. Now this is a thing this artist does. It's part of their style. Um, I was I was looking at their Instagram earlier. I I don't like the cross-eyed stuff. It it makes me think of that anime face, the the horny anime girl face. Oh no! Oh no! Um, but like other than that, I think for the most part the art is is really good. In is like. Like the forms, the um, the posing, all of that is dynamic. Feels like acted and interesting. Um, the thing I have more of an issue with with this book is the plot. Did you also open this to like the first few pages and think you'd missed an issue? <laughs> um, no, I I didn't. Um, but. I can see why you would think that, because it doesn't look like they are inside of the castle when they're fighting. Yeah. And I think they're supposed to be. Like, they snuck in the back. They spent all of last issue planning this big infiltration, and then they're caught immediately. And um, then Magic just walks in the front door, talks to Curse, which is the best part of the issue, is their conversation. But even that, like, didn't really, like grab me to be honest um and i don't know my like script doctoring like solution to this um is i think it just this issue should have been compressed with the last issue if they're gonna do the thing where you go into the tower and you get thrown out immediately don't spend an issue setting that up um (laughs) i don't think this necessarily makes it like successful uh or makes a successful way to tell me that um, they're up against odds they can't handle. Um, it would have been cool if they spent more time refining that conversation between Curse and Magic that happens at the end of the issue and um, less time getting us into the castle only to immediately throw us out. Um, and like most of the data pages also feel superfluous superfluous and like repetitive like we have heard the um what is it the prophecy like 
nine times in nine different ways. And I get that's part of like the theme of the book, but that's like not hitting me the way I think the the writer wants wants it to. Um uh, yeah, I, it's just yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not engaged with the story. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was already checked out after issue one. Like, I forced myself through issue two uh, without really like being engaged. Uh, at this point, I'm dropping it. Like, I didn't read this one. I looked at the images and had a chuckle. Uh, <laughs> I think, like, it, it just. The fact that they had to do this artist, I mean, unless there's some, you know, external, someone got sick or, you know, something else, um, like, if it this was just like scheduling. rushed is the thing, more than anything. That the bad parts just kind of look a little rushed. They don't look like yeah. awful. It's just um, a mistake that made it through, and that's fine to happen every once in a while, IMO. But it is, like, also, it looks... this is Marvel. <laughs> yeah, like, bit. I don't, I don't want, like, I... I feel like a big corporate comic publisher like Marvel should not and it's it's not just that how do I put it like if if you're not going to be able to uh to ship the books finished then don't do this many damn books yeah there's In, too many that's really and don't like... compress them all to three week schedules instead yeah. of a month because that's definitely how this happens and like and if you knew you were going to do this get everyone started on stuff months ago but whatever that's the the like animation and like comics the the pipeline is always like later than it needs to be it's always last minute like yeah. It's just I just bad don't industries. <laughs> or don't see the importance for this story to be told. Um I don't see the you know the story of uh some guys ended up in this place but other guys ended up on this other place and then even others are like ended up like right like that's that doesn't make for really engaging stuff. Like, it's not like, you're not the edge of your seat to find out what happened with Curse and Typhoid Mary. Um, like, uh, the Curse bit's relatively interesting because, like, a lot of the, like, plot hinges on it and she gets, like, real conversations in this issue. But, like, a- apart from Curse and Magic, like, the other four who are here... Like, I, I know nothing more about them than I did at the start. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, I can see the pitch for this book being, like, kind of more compelling, maybe, than the actual book itself, where you're saying, like, at the table, oh, this is going to be magic trying to prevent, like, what happened with her and Belasco back in the day from happening to another person between, like, Curse and Saturnine. But that's not... It is what we're getting, but it's not, like, being played and the most exciting way possible magic goes in there and then gets like telekinetically pushed out (laughs) it's like i was intrigued by 
the pitch of this book and when they showed the covers because they're like Stephanie Hans pro- uh, covers yeah, the, they lied Stephanie to Hans us covers by, the covers are so good <laughs> they lied to us by how good they made the covers look like honestly <laughs> like it it sells us this like grand beautiful fantasy and then I mean and like I a magic led book would be something that I would be really interested but then like magic is barely present like for like how she is the only like she and curse are the main like relevant characters to the plot it also like I'm just flipping through it like she shows up on page 16 <laughs> in this issue and in the first issue she was completely out of it like well, and it's not really necessarily like they're giving Dust and Marrow and Typhoid Mary and uh, Danny anything to do either is the thing. So like when they're in the book, not yeah. much is happening. It's mostly just like Saturnine yelling at her servants is like half the plot <laughs> of this book. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it would have maybe been more interesting if this, rather than being an overarching plot, was like... Um, episodic and jet setting across different realms as they try to get back to Earth or whatever, like something, maybe something like that, and then give Iceman the overarching plot. I don't know. Like, I'm not in the, I'm not in the room. I'm, I'm gonna stop trying to, to fix it as I critique. I think we can move yeah. on to the next book. <laughs> Does anyone know what the deal is with the aliens? Like the alien Saturnine summons. No. Are they are they anything <laughs> like I just Are they intriguing to you? I, I mean they're there and I don't know why. <laughs> I think they're supposed to be like the, the anti superhero robot people that um Captain Britain fights oh, in the Furies. Um yeah, the I think they're the right. Furies from okay. Captain Britain. That's but something I'm not sure. Um and I didn't go back to check. Um, yeah, it kind of just felt like they showed up and... I don't know. Yo, it's crazy That's... how in Excalibur, like, the original, Saturnine has, like, an entire, like, in group of ridiculous and weird um, like, servants doing her bidding that all have unique powers and look insane and are up to things on their own mm-hmm. and all have personalities <laughs> and now it's just like we get a yeah robot i'm getting what you're putting down here like tony stark on a diet um, but like the original excalibur had like a load of issues right like it's yeah yeah it's always the same problem happening. like not yeah not giving these it's... stories time to unfold but also at the same time like shoving down so many down on my my thought that i just had was that this whole fall of x i'm feeling down on it which is weird because the core issues like the core series that are um immortal x-men red uh, and the main x-men book like those are all like good to great and then there's even like Children of the Vault is also amazing. Uh, there's uh, what else? Uncanny Spider-Man. I really like. We'll get to it today. 
Jean Grey was also good. Jean Grey is also great. So there's like a handful of books that are really great up there with like any of the previous X books. But by being overwhelmed by all this external stuff, it muddles my overall feelings in a way that's like, well, I don't have to do that, right? And the casual comic fan is maybe also just going to pick up the main title. So in that way, it's good. But all of these issues that are only for the diehard fan to follow also makes the enjoyment worse (laughs) for those who are the most committed to following the entire thing, right? Like, that's weird. That's a weird feeling to have. Like, just punishing the people who care for it the most. Like, maybe not on purpose, (laughs) or maybe cynically by, like... uh, I feel like this is a bit of a, like, welcome to being a comics fan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's it's not a uniquely Fall of X problem, but it is a, a pretty it is more noticeable in this specific era than it has been for the past like long while of X Men. Yeah. Like yeah. I think the other frustration that just kind of emerged over time over the entire Krakoa era is that it became really predictable that nothing big is gonna happen until the next event yeah Uh, that's kind of and it's the small things aren't intimate they aren't yeah they are well when they are good they're like character focus or conflict focus in a way that like wraps back to like larger events or makes the character stand out in um the world that they're building collectively like i think miss marvel the New Mutant is a really great example of that. Rereading it this morning, I was incredibly impressed by that book. Um, it 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 slaps, honestly. Um, when I read like a different series, like the the new Captain Marvel series that just started, like I really like that first issue, or like any of the DC books that I've been following along, or Immortal Thor, right? Like with with any of those, it's like getting into an issue, like oh anything could happen, right? Like, anything, that could be a huge thing that's going to happen in this issue, and it's going to be all everyone's going to talk about. And you miss that sense of predictability from all these, like, X titles that are, like, on purpose so interwoven that you kind of know that nothing big is allowed to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I think, like, when you when you read, like, Dawn of X, or when I read the Dawn of X books, I wasn't aware that that's what's gonna happen so it like it felt like oh charles xavier got killed in early in x-force what the fuck and then like post like x of swords or post the first hellfire gala it was like okay so now we're treading water for the next hellfire gala yeah it's like hopefully when we're getting to the end of issue or like end of these mini series like so something big hopefully happens next realm of x because it's the last one and then they have to tie it into the yeah the 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 big fight that's going to start in like fall of house of x miss marvel the new mutant 3 written by imran Vellani and sabir prezada by carlos gomez and adam Gorham, called by eric arseniega a lot of credits on this one uh in this one, Miss Marvel has some adventures in her subconscious and is tempted by an orca psychic probe that pretends it will reveal her mutant power. In the waking world, Bruno hacks into Orcus and steals some source code. When Kamala wakes up, a sentinel seems to have detected her. 
Um, I, I, I'm enjoying Miss Marvel. I think it's pretty decent. It's, 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 it's more Miss Marvel overall, and I think it's quite, uh, like, well written, and the art's nice, and the story's very, uh, Miss Marvel-y to me, which is nice. Uh, and it's continued to be that. Um, my main thing is I wish this, uh, like, series had been set literally any other time apart from Fall of <laughs> X. Because, like, the, 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 having to, like, jump through, like, the hoop of, like, oh, Orcus is gonna kill ten mute, ten humans if they see Miss Marvel is, is a weird one. Where, if it was at any other point apart from Fall of X in the Krakoa era, you could have this exact same story because Orcus is still around and would still hate mutants and would still go after Miss Marvel if she was a mutant. Um, and it means you don't have to add on all of the Fall of X context, which just means there's a little less time for the rest of it. Um, it by no means fails to add the context. It's just more that I can see like space that could be taken up with something that isn't Fall of X in in here. Yeah. It's it's like I, I enjoy this like her trying to figure out her power and you know struggling with having these multiple different like ways she is identified and like people she I she feels linked to and that could all work completely fine without the world being taken over by Orcus. Like this could have happened six months ago and it still would have hit those same sort of like here's what I'm struggling with and here's why why it's hard to to deal with, you know? Um but I do I do really like yeah, like you say, it's just kind of more good Miss Marvel and I like Miss Marvel a lot, so <laughs> it works for me. Yeah, it's perfectly fun yeah. comic, but uh, I I'm just gonna echo the same things that it feels very weirdly timed. Um, like it, you know, the Orcus thing. Like I I can't say it's like not really tying into the X books, but at the same time, it just doesn't feel like vital for the X Men. Weirdly, like for how much it has the new mutant in the title, and for how they were trying to make a big deal out of her being a mutant now. It's... Maybe it's because of the timing. Uh, maybe it's because the overall story just doesn't really fit to what Miss Marvel's trying to do. It just... Yeah, it just doesn't feel like a vital Fall of X book. Like, And maybe that could have been fixed if it is like earlier in the Krakoa saga. Or do it after Krakoa, or I don't know. Like, it's... It's the same thing. I think for, for one of these minis to feel vital, it needs to have stakes that tie in, like, the main state of, you know, of mutantdom being fallen, right? Like, stuff like... uh. You know, Jane Grey is a good example. Like, what what the fuck is going on with Jean? Did she die? Did she not die? Like, is she dying? Where is she? Like, that's a vital thing that you kind of want to know about after the Hellfire Gala. Um, what's going on with Iceman doesn't feel that vital. 
Yeah, I mean, people want answers because, like, he he died. Um, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then like, he was, even, like, pulled um, together, and then it just doesn't feel like a huge, like, ongoing mystery yeah. anymore, right? Yeah, it doesn't hit as hard as, like, the Hellfire Gala led us to believe it would. Yeah. Like, but even my, like, the guy I buy comics from was saying this week he was like yeah Iceman's the one i want to check out because i want to know what happened to him um i was like yeah that, that's more than fair like yeah i mean you learn in issue one <laughs> but i only have two notes for miss marvel i have good in all caps and uh dream warriors theme plays um, <laughs> from the nightmare on elm street movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's, she's doing warriors. a dream warrior. Um, and the other thing I I wanted to mention but didn't write down was I I think the dynamic between the two villains fucking slaps like um, yeah that's the fun. fact putting putting a kill switch in the Omega Sentinel is is very cool yeah it's uh it's neat they have like a a dynamic that is very fan fiction friendly to go with the theme <laughs> of the rest of the book <laughs> you are right it's neat too because. Something dramatic happened at the Hellfire Gala. It, to me, they kind of need to keep up that dramatic tension. And I think, you know, Children of the Vault does that by the threat being huge. Uh, Alpha Flight doesn't really do that. Because it's yeah. small sentinels. <laughs> well, it was, it's supposed to be like the entire weight of the Canadian government against them. But then, that like, does not feel like the weight of the Canadian well, government made it. Uh, they have not made it a, 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 a threat that seems like an actual threat. They're just yeah. like, yeah. Like if you compare it to the huge fucking Sentinels and the like, incredibly powerful Children of the Vault, right? <laughs> or if you compare it to like literally the white hot room that brings out like apocalypse like as your personal devil <laughs> yeah it just doesn't really compare and i'm not saying you can't do smaller scale stuff but i said this like last episode that if you want to tell the story of the fall of like the house of x or the fall of krakoa that's when you need to focus on the stakes like and then you can do like chill stuff afterwards Okay, let's... I don't have anything else to say about this, Marvel. It's um, fine. It's good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have... I, I thought I might have something, but I don't. I think the, the, like, psychic bomb that will, like... Because they know that the mutants always use telepathy, that it'll, like, bounce back and knock them all out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but that's just... I, I just always, like, kind of enjoy when they're, like... Mut- mutants don't need technology they have telepathy uh, mutant communication has always been a different thing than like the way it is for other heroes um, and that's neat to sort of take advantage of that uh, take that uh, Uncanny Avengers 3 written by Jerry Duggan art by Emilio Lyso uh, colors by Maury Hollowheel uh, Captain America gathers a crowd outside the ruins of the X-Men's treehouse and makes a speech about how Orcus is wrong and mutants are good. 
Monet and Quicksilver trace Fenner's twins to a fancy shop, fight them, and then let them escape after planting trackers on them. Um, they also flirt a bunch. Uh, ben Urich and Captain America organize an interview with the human survivor of the gala and are shocked to learn that it's the Kingpin. Hey, uh, Rogue, why did you not like just give them a heads up? <laughs> or, you know, say anyone could have said... Our, I, I understand that this will be difficult for you, but our human witness is Kingpin. Like, <laughs> I I know that's a that's a hard one to swallow, but like, he's on our side now. It's um, really I called this one. I want whoever's keeping the tally at home <laughs> to, to put me on the board for this one. Um, and it was an easy shot, but I don't care. I want the point. <laughs> you get the point. I don't care about that point that that i mean it's it's a it's a fair uh, a fair complaint that kiwi has but to me this whole issue is just fucking weird like yes the vibes <laughs> off the vibes, the vibes off are here. off and this is a series i enjoyed in the first two issues and this one was like what the fuck is going on um let's talk about the art for a second this is not javier garon and weirdly i don't know if it's the colors or like whoever does inks or whatever but it feels like they're trying to pretend that it is Javier Garo <laughs> like they're trying to assimilate to that style and it just does not do it that well <laughs> I think that the shading on faces is just so weird like it it looks like everyone has like makeup caked on and like they're like there's just there's the shot where Captain America is doing his big speech and there's just a bunch of shots of faces and they all look like uncanny like uncanny valley sort of like they're just not hitting uh, like the, 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 the level of realism the, the, the punk want. kid like looks terrible <laughs> I just like I mean, what they're is all face he's making? the one like this woman uh, who <laughs> just has like a really blank face, but that's still like weirdly shaded. Um, yeah, it's it's they're trying to render the art the same way. Yeah, yeah, but it's like the the not is it the, the same. same colorist? It might be the same it, colorist because this is the exact same thing that happened with. Um, realm is it's like they're trying to mm-hmm. do the color same colorings like same across the books but but like it's a guest artist highlight what's different about the guest artists yeah I mean I guess that I guess they didn't have time to like because uh, Javier Garon's art works like really well with this type of shading uh, and I guess the colorist just didn't have, because probably at one point in the uh, production, they subbed in this guest artist, and they didn't have time to like to figure out or f- each other or work together. But that or is... find like a guest colorist or something like yeah. that. But that goes back to why doesn't Marvel have? That's the same issue I said about why do they print their issues on like bad floppy paper, like. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like Marvel has a ton of Disney money, and they don't. They they're trying to cut corners. I, I don't think but the answer is a penny. The of comics that. don't make money. Yeah, the comics yeah. are not getting any yeah. of that money. 
but they have and to like, keep the comics going because they power the engine to their biggest money maker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like even at the, that that isn't even it at this point because they have all the ideas they need. <laughs> they yeah. don't care and they they don't even want to do like proper adaptations or anything. They just wanna Yeah, that's true. Do their own shitty version. Like, yeah, it's all but they're weird. still always um, doing an adaptation. Like the, yeah. the people that write those movies are always still like, well, these are the comics that I looked at in like parts. But of it's gonna be like adaptations from stuff from like a decade ago. That's that's true. I mean, they're bringing in a lot of characters that are a lot newer now, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just don't know if the if the plan is to like eventually like adapt Krakoa when it's old enough or like. You know, oh yeah, I'm... I have no clue what they would be doing with the X Men. That's like more of an Avengers thing yeah. than an X Men thing. Uh, I think into. with, I mean, there's one more shot that looks like Psylocke and Monet are in this one panel during Captain America's speech, where I was like, "Hold <laughs> on, who is that?" <laughs> like, I that, is it the one where they're like kind of horny for him? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, which That's... leads me to the next discussion point which is like the, my main issue with this comic yeah, what the fuck is this speech yeah I like this is a disaster is this lib shit <laughs> this is how did I this ask. <laughs> how was this a good idea it, it's like it's such a cheesy speech uh, for, for like at, at a base level even the parts that like read fine are just like it's just like I'm Captain America, and I believe America is good and not bad. And then, like, saluting the flag as the Star Spangled Banner plays, but like, it's like five pages of it. And there's the, five uh, pages of speech, and then there's another two spe- two pages of everyone congratulating him for what an incredible speech he made. Yeah, it's throughout the speech pages. This is just um, something I found really weird, but like how prominent the the American flag is on every page yes. of the speech. <laughs> like he starts like f- uh, uh, rubbing the fabric of the American flag, talking about <laughs> war, and he holds it in his arms. He like... hugs the flag the same way Trump does in the funny Trump clip, where he hugs the flag. The the thing that I kept thinking was like another day at the Betty Ross Museum. Everyone keeps <laughs> asking me if they can fuck the flag. Like Captain America is about to fuck this flag. What's going on? <laughs> Okay, the moment on those two sets of pages that I have more of an issue with yes. is, and I know these are not, like, one-to-one what's going on in the dialogue and what they are pointing to in the in the smiling faces, but the one with the kid in the wheelchair says, Americans shouldn't be afraid of what you're wearing, which is, like, implying he's wearing the wheelchair accidentally. Like, yeah. that, that shouldn't have made it through editorial, I <laughs> It's just weird. No, I mean, all like, of these are, all of these are weirdly lined yeah. up. Yeah, like, I think, I think there, I think well, we can I, I think and should, like, reach, I, I kind of want to pick apart, like, weirder. every single thing of this speech. Well, they should be, they should be cutting to the people, not yes. that part of the speech. That's not the part of this. That's this part where you have Captain America making his face that it's okay. And he's saying, people shouldn't be afraid. Oh, and honestly, a people shouldn't be afraid of speech is not a good inspiring no. speech about diversity and how we all 
should work together and get along. You should be goal oriented. <laughs> Do not talk about the hatred bit. There's be, several parts of this. <laughs> There's several parts of this where I understand how like Jerry Dagon thought that this would be a good idea or how this pitch would work on paper. But like every part, like it feels like this whole sequence goes wrong with every aspect of it. Like. It feels like Jerry Duggan is trying to make this uh, and the whole Uncanny Avengers, like the whole project of this Uncanny Avengers mini is to make a statement about to put the, you know, the metaphor of mutant kind into this metaphor about what America is today. And we've pointed out parts where that worked fine or like pretty well with like the Orcus fascist and uh, and uh, Cap being like, yeah, let's fuck these guys up. I don't care. These are fascists. And it completely crumbles at this point where Captain America makes this speech. And the core of the speech is that I wear the American flag on myself. I am a symbol of America. And I am here to tell you that... Well, first of all, I didn't like that the mutants... <laughs> went to Krakoa in the first place because it seems that they don't want this American dream that we have. And I still believe in the American dream, but the mutants are also our friends. And and it, it, it you know, he keeps, like, talking about these, you know, he says... There's this guy who says the mutants attacked us, and then he says, it does seem like that, but in this country we have a presumption of innocence. That's... You, you, this knows, is where it starts really going innocent. Like, <laughs> yeah. he should not be... That's not the angle to go from. It's lip shit. The, that's what I was... As I said earlier, it's yeah, lip shit. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. It's... First, it's, he says that, and then he says, you know, I don't know who it is, but it is not Cyclops, and I don't think it's a mutant. Okay, who's Captain Krakoa? Then some people start, like, sh- throwing... Someone throws, like, a glass of Coke at him. A, a malt? We oh, find a out malt, later. yes. An old lady, we also find out later. And Deadpool wants to beat the shit out of the old lady for throwing... And he's right. He's right. <laughs> Deadpool is right. <laughs> One of the most <laughs> fucked things that then she comes up and is like, well, I was yes. wrong. Your nice speech has convinced me. Like, She's like, I off. always Never disliked happened. the mutant. I always, I didn't like the X-Men. I don't like the X-Men. But now that I heard your speech, maybe you're right. I'm sorry for throwing malt at you. Then there's this sequence where it's like, he says Americans shouldn't be afraid of different races, of the poor and addicted, and it's like, this is where you said the wheelchair one. I thought this was really weird. He's like, Americans shouldn't be afraid of differences, political or otherwise. And then there's this punk kid who is, like, giving this, like, really satisfied smile. Like, if this is supposed <laughs> to be about how, you know, the extreme leftists are also welcome, right? And then there's a, this punk is supposed to be the radical leftist, and he's like, yeah, I can get on board with this lip shit. And that other racist guy can also get on board with this lip speech. And also Matt Pat from, like, <laughs> game theory at the bottom there. And then the final point that he makes, the point on which he ends is... 
I'm skeptical of the official story and I'm very concerned about Orkis. There be- this is the final se- his final sentence. They're being less than honest. It's, is that your- how is that bro, your big point? <laughs> it's not a good mic drop moment, you know, like... <laughs> it's also, like, he brings up World War II to talk about why why he thought Krakoa was bad when he could be like, and they're doing it again. The Orcus are doing the 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 version of this that is evil, like it and instead he doesn't like go that far and he just waits until the end to be like Well lads, they're not being completely honest with us. So <laughs> what do you think about that? And just like really the makes cherry you think. on the top is America helped fund uh, at least six war crimes <laughs> this week. <laughs> Just like, you know, throwing money in that direction. We need a redefining of Captain America if he's going to ever work in these moments. For he me. should not like be. Yeah, he should not be fucking the American be, flag at this point. He also shouldn't be the person giving this speech. He should be handing over the microphone to the to fucking marginalized group of people. <laughs> Like what? He why has is them so on his team. This, why is so much of this book about how marginalized people should sit back and listen to Captain America? We had the same speech in the last book from Deadpool, and then we get to watch it happen in this one. Like, and also, I'm, he he makes the team come out into public where supposedly that will get humans killed. <laughs> I didn't like, even think of that. <laughs> What? Yeah. Oh my god. And that this... was Jerry Duggan's book. Like, he wrote the Hellfire Gala. He can't mess up his own story like that. Yeah, this, as, as you said earlier, this, this, this feels like it's the vibes, the, 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 good, the good fun vibes of this book have sort of like fallen off the rails into something. I also, this is like a separate thing. I kind of hate that Cap gets like the the credit of having a cool Bucky arm without losing his arm. Stolen Valor. <laughs> Captain America. Stolen, stolen Valor. Your arm's just broken, sir. Put a cast on. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's fair. It should have healed by now. You're Captain America. <laughs> that's and part then of the deal. This, when this woman tells her, I'm sorry I threw my mod at you, comma, but I've always hated the X-Men. She doesn't say that she stopped hating them, or that she stopped, like, you know, no, being bigoted against America them. is such a nice, respectable She just says that was a very nice speech. She had to congratulate him on his speech. And then he says, I understand your anger, thank you for apologizing. <laughs> she did not. She only apologized for throwing the mod. She didn't apologize for her bigotry. It's like I can excuse racism, but I draw the line at throwing a malt at <laughs> Yeah, like, it's literally like there was a there was a um a young trans man a few years ago who gave a speech to his school board about getting the chance to use the proper bathroom for himself, right? And he finishes the speech, and everyone in the room gives him, or like all of the people in the school board, like congratulate him and say how much of a great job he did and how much of a special kid he is and how great he is. And then they all vote against the fucking measure 
and don't give him what he needs. And this moment is it's it is pointing to that sort of thing where it's just like, well, if we all just say nice things to each other, the hate will go away. And it's like, no, that's not what's happening. We need to find ways to give people what they need while simultaneously pointing out that the hatred is wrong and that it's bad and that like this woman's a fucking asshole for throwing her cup at him honest like deadpool shouldn't be killing her but <laughs> like captain america should be like well rethink your or like at least in this moment be like yeah it's good that you're starting to rethink those things like why don't you talk to my friend over here or whatever about what's going on like something beyond just like if we make the right speech the right things will happen because we know that's not true yeah we keep doing that in real life and nothing it, it like the not nothing happens but like the good stuff still is happening too slowly it's still taking too long to progress we don't need to keep over and over again having these cool speeches when in reality we need some sort of action so when i go to my fiction i want to read the fucking action i don't want to read the 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 Joe Biden speech. Like, I can, yeah. I can, I agree with your points. I like reading a cool speech in fiction. This isn't even a cool speech. Yeah, like, it's this a is terrible a, speech. Double down part. Yeah. yeah. No, I, when I, I fucking cried at some of the things that Kamala said, or were said about Kamala in her, like, lost friend book. Like, those were cool speeches that were, yeah. this is not. <laughs> the sentiment of, Captain America being like, and obviously different people feel different ways. Uh, I am not from America. I can understand having a more complicated relationship, but I like the idea of Captain America being like, I, I, I am not, I don't represent America as it is. I represent America as I hope I want to make it. I want to improve it. And in that first Hellfire Gala, when, or I think it's planet-sized, where Captain America has that speech where he says, I'm not disappointed that you went to Krakoa. I'm disappointed that you were forced by, you were forced to go to Krakoa by America not being good enough for you. And that's a failure. That's not, that's not you did something wrong. It's we did something wrong. And then this speech, like, does that stuff again but worse and like undercuts a bit that i liked before yeah like mm -hmm. it's just and then like cyclops and monet are like oh he's so good he should lead an x-men team Psylocke. no <laughs> you know captain america has been around forever and when fucking Watergate happened, he became like so depressed and he was like considering retreating and you know he he was like in a terrible shape and just wanted to give up being Captain America in the first place. This Orca stuff is way worse than Watergate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this just... should be a moment for Captain America to if you want to write Captain America, right? You should make him more conflicted about this stuff. You shouldn't yeah. make him be like, I still believe in the American dream, but we need to get better. He needs to be, like, seriously doubting the entire thing. 
Yeah. He or, needs to be, like, throwing down the flag yeah. on his shield or something. Or, like, talking about solutions, one or the other, you know? Like, if he has already thought about these things, if he has, like, a belief system that, like, still he still thinks America can work and is not a failed state, you know, he needs to be talking and it's fiction it doesn't have to be a real fucking solution <laughs> to real life problems here but he's not he's just saying like yeah it, su- it sucks that there's hatred we should stop that bye just stop stop i think like at the very least as the bare minimum bare fucking minimum captain america needs to say that orcus is fucking evil they have super villains among themselves. Yeah. <laughs> they have Modok and a sinister clone. Yeah. They're good people. And they're on both evil. Sides. Don't say they're they're <laughs> less than honest. They're less than honest, if we're being honest here, folks. A lot of, me too like I'm English less teacher. <laughs> I, I I will sometimes be starting my clock at work and then go back to sleep when I work from home. So I'm also being I'm also less than honest. <laughs> <laughs> towards my employers, right? Like, less than honest is nothing. Yeah, it's it's such a, like, just nothing. Yeah, fart to end the speech on, like... Anyway, the other half of the issue, basically, is Quicksilver and Monet flirting and fighting. Why? It's also <laughs> weird. It's, it's also awkward. weird. It's awkward. I was like, where the hell did this come from? The, yeah. When it started, when she moves his hand, that's a small, subtle thing. Like, they're drawing a lot of attention to it, obviously. Yeah. But that could have been the start of maybe something a little slower, but then it became, it ramped up 100%. Just full-on French kissing. All at yeah. once. Yeah, and it doesn't even feel like they're flirting when they're like, talking to each other very much like it feels like they're mad at each other in not a sexy way <laughs> and i like a good unexpected romance but it just doesn't there's just nothing I, I don't understand why they like each other you know like yeah they just insulted each other a bit and and quicksilver's I mean, horny i guess I, th- I think they're just like both kind of yeah i think they're both supposed to be kind of slutty Angry, yeah, angry and <laughs> slutty a little. And that's I, I think it's like they have similar personalities, so they should work together or whatever. Yeah, but like we get Quicksilver and Monet kissing, but like Iron Man and Emma Frost, they'll, <laughs> they, they won't. They'll make a sex joke and then go to their two separate bedrooms. I just, I, I don't get it. Yeah, and they spend so much more time together, like... Oh, and then there's Kingpin at the end, and it's... He's there. Tony's not sexy. Get on the train. Everyone knows. Tony's not sexy. The train's coming through town. (laughs) (laughs) But Quicksilver is? It's really funny that Quicksilver puts on construction helmet (laughs) to to put up the stuff. That's a good bit. (laughs) Yeah, I I like that bit. And then he... (laughs) He does a rider kick, which I'm always a fan of, but... I okay. Uh, I want to end on if if we're clearing getting to the end. I'm gonna end on a positive. Yeah. These fucking pumpkins at the beginning of the issue are so cute. <laughs> this evil yeah. Nimrod and evil Modok pumpkins. <laughs> I, I it just 
it did not dawn on me at all that this was just a little like oh this is coming out around Halloween yeah <laughs> let's just put some pumpkins in that's cute that yeah. is cute yeah yeah I mean the fucking Deadpool Black Widow uh flirting quipping like that's fun <laughs> just yeah doesn't get I don't know Deadpool's in a committed relationship right now he shouldn't be saying that sort of stuff yeah. can you say <laughs> I'm sorry. I, yeah. I mean, but that's a, that's yeah. A, with that person, then they're non-binary and yeah. their fingers are syringes. Oh, cool. I don't remember their name. And they're just constantly making jokes about Deadpool getting pegged. Good. That's that feels right. Comic. Makes sense. It's just very funny that I can like buy Deadpool being like a sex object easier than Quicksilver here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the, the vibes were off. The vibes were off this week. Yeah, also you can't just... Uncanny Avengers. You can't just reference the meme at the end. Like, it says, next, the worst person you know just made a great point. Oh, God. And I don't know, this, this doesn't fit the vibe of this issue. Whatever the vibe is supposed to be. It's like... The, the best person you know just made some really terrible points, <laughs> so like I don't know if we need this. Yeah. Yeah. God, Marvel Comics would be so much better if like Captain America was just like a huge asshole who we didn't have to focus on and was like a problem they'd had to deal with. That I mean that's the other so thing. Like things. coming into this comic, I was already feeling a bit sick of Captain America because we he was so much He's in last week. Like, he was in Wolverine, and uh, Iceman had a different Captain America, but, like, also, you know. And his solo series started up, and he's a landlord now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard of that. Brilliant. But he, but he oh my God. gives, like... But does he make them pay? Like, because he's, like, it's, like, he's supposed to give shelter to, like, homeless people or some shit, right? Well, okay, so he buys the building because it, it's going to be, like, everyone's going to be kicked out. Um, oh, I see. he's, like, I think he's, like, he's still taking rent, but it's, like, if he's chill about it, and it's maybe lower. <laughs> that it's, it's rent-controlled, where it would have stopped being rent-controlled or some bullshit. Captain America then, should not need money. Have money? From tenants. To buy a yeah. building? Yeah. Uh, no, mean? he he calls up Tony Stark to ask for the money to buy the building. Oh, okay. Uh, That's funny. Uh, comes from, like, Avengers funds or something. He should give um, it back to then, the people that own it, the, that live there. Though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like the and he discovers right there. <laughs> a, a, an immigrant family that are living out, out of a van outside of his, uh, like, building, and... One of them is that the dad is like a handyman who can fix up and the building needs a lot of fixing up because the previous landlord was shitty. Uh, so they're like, oh, you can like, but it's very like, oh, we refuse to accept charity. Like we, we don't want anything for free. So it's, it's like, oh yeah, so you can help fix up the building and then shit. we'll let you in. Um. I think this is, I mean, this is a tangent, but I think this is the Batman problem of, like, once, like, you know, once there is a superhero who is, like, really rich and fights crime uh, by being rich, you should not 
draw attention to the fact that he could do so much more by spending <laughs> yeah. his money wisely. Yes. Like, uh, for, for me to buy into a Batman comic, you should not draw attention to like social issues being like actually real that could be fixed. <laughs> like if if you can if you can make Tony Stark buy one building to uh save the people who was who would be evicted, you could also get Tony Stark to buy a lot of buildings and let homeless people <laughs> live there for free. Yeah. I and it's like that counteract comic, it's like yeah, it has this dumb shit, but it's like it. I don't know. It kind of seems well intentioned, just done badly, and it's like fine so far. I'm not like. I mean, I feel the it. same way about like this issue. Like Barry Dillon is <laughs> coming from a good place here. I'm not trying to cancel him for being a lib, but I mean, this is. I was gonna <laughs> yeah. say it's not the worst person you made. Just made a great point, or not the best person made that. It's just the. A pretty competent superhero writer, you know, just made a terrible issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, we know there's hate. That's the whole speech. Yeah. Uh, I the next two issues of this series are gonna have Javier Garon back. So. Oh, excellent. I'm Phew. willing to be able to just enjoy the action on those, but like as a as what should have been, like, what is clearly intentioned to be, like, a corner piece of the whole thing, or, like, as a grand statement, it just mm. totally fails in a way that I'm not sure how much it can be salvaged. Uh, it says in the flavor text at the end of the issue, um, w- as, like, what is gonna be in the next one is, and there's a description of, like, orca stuff, and then it says, plus, witness the blooming of the unlikeliest romance in uncanny Avengers history. <laughs> like another one yes, or this continuing the same know. one I think it means I think they just mean more Quicksilver and more the Man. blooming okay. of it but also in Uncanny Avengers history is a very funny thing to say <laughs> like what in these last four issues well, they're Rick gonna Remenders also include the other or the previous teams that series. were different yeah. teams but aren't really related to this run in like which also had an incredibly bad lib speech <laughs> in it about how you shouldn't say the M word. Yeah, I just like I Kenny Avengers isn't really a real team that has a history. Like it's yeah, yeah. it's a crisis solution, and it's one I don't think is working. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It doesn't seem to be helping a lot. Damn, no, once once Kiwi said the that the uncannies? that he's putting the mutants like out in open air when orcs like th- threatened to kill people. At that point, I'm like, yeah, the whole point of this is falling apart <laughs> completely. I mean, we'll get into it in dark, but no one's helping this week. No one is. No one is helping. <laughs> but it's good in dark. In, 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 <laughs> I like yeah, it there. In dark, that's the whole. That's the whole deal. Let's get into dark. X-Men. Dark X-Men number three, written by Steve Fox, art by Jonas Scharf, colors by Frank Martin. In Mexico, the team sent to find Marisol are almost all knocked out by her spores, except for Faint, who goes to the center of the town and tries to convince her that the Limbo Embassy is safe. 
A bestial alternate universe nightcrawler attacks Madeline just as she wakes up, and she fights it off. Marisol makes it clear that she does not want to go back to the Limbo Embassy. Meanwhile, the team trying to help the Morlocks are forced to destroy the undead angel, and also are told that the Morlocks will make their own way without help. Thank you. It kind of, it, it's nice to have a team of X-Men who kind of just suck on, on purpose. Yeah. They're like, they're show, they show up and everyone's like, no, no, we do not need your help, thanks. It's it's a breath of fresh air to have characters with flaws, kind of, because we don't have space for that in almost any other uh, other book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about Dark X-Men, and not because it's bad, but to me, this book is, like, one that I enjoy, like, on vibes and on the energy. <laughs> but it's, like, it, it doesn't stick in my brain for longer. Like, it doesn't make, like, really inter- It doesn't do things where, I'm like, oh, that was really interesting. It's just, like, it's just good, <laughs> but, like, not in a very... Uh, not in a way that is like very exciting to me. The art is beautiful, like great. It's it's really the art. Like C Fox is making space for the art to take like center stage here for sure, for the most part, and like it's working really well. I think that's why like there's not as much space for like analysis or like narrative deep dive because like it is it is simple but it's effective. Yeah. Uh, it's like these these are the two action scenes that were sort of set up by the last issue and we're just getting into them and it's a, a good issue of mostly action. They're like big big mushroom bits of like the art there yeah. especially I think is very yeah. very cool. We've got um uh, uh Creep, is that her name? Creep, uh, her like yeah. mutant name. It's the, 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 the there's a part where she's looking like a resident evil boss. Uh, uh, like just interconnected to this massive like web of fungus on the ceiling. Uh, uh, it looks cool as hell. Marisol the I also enjoy that Faint is the most competent member of like Madeline's team. That <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's great. The the kid is carrying them, and it like does harken back to like when Kitty Pride was on the X Men in a good way because Kitty fixes shit a lot actually <laughs> it's, it's a very classic kitty thing to be like oh there's a poisonous gas I can just walk through that and not be bothered and everyone else just eats shit <laughs> like and she uses her powers in like a cool and like unique to her way like that's separate than how like mystique does it or morph or whatever shape changer you want to slip in there like she's she's mostly outfit focused so far but like the stuff with her turning into like a big like wolfy vampire-y creature was cool. That looks sick. She just muscled up. It's a lot like Megan from Excalibur when she does her shit. Oh, I like the like mushroom-induced nightmare panels. A nice like just brief glimpses into the the psyche of Havoc Zero Madeline. Uh, Havoc's uh, the Alex Summers' dreams reflect a mind burdened with unaddressed neuroses uh, while showing him, like, in his, like, 
slutty Inferno outfit having lasers fired at him by Cyclops Sentinels. You point at Havoc and it's like, there's a lot to unpack with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Kenji Uido, Zero, uh, like, this vision of, like, th- this, like, nightmare mech flesh world. Oh, flesh world? Yeah, yeah, it's Inferno, but fleshy. I like that Madeline has been through this shit so much that she's not even phased by, like, her world she's just like yes i know this is my literally my whole character are these three things leave me alone <laughs> i i really like the jumpsuit like as well i'm always happy to see see that come back because mm. i think that's like look. i'm in in claremont which i haven't read in a couple of months but i'm right at where she shows up and is just a pilot and there's nothing else going on and it's just like ah, oh, yeah it's a cool look and uh yeah, that she's just like, fucking, yeah, okay, Mr. Sinister, yeah, okay, the Phoenix, but, <laughs> like, Gene, but dead, whatever, whatever, get on to the real stuff. Like, it's great. Uh, going to the other fight, I want to say I love, knock off Glob, this blue Glob, he's great, I love him. Yes. Um, And then, uh, I thought it was really cool at the very beginning, the way they show M-Plate's powers, finally, like, I did not know he had tongue hands. Yeah. That's sick. A fucking yeah, tongue it's hands. how he like eats your soul. Oh, um, um, and then I have in my notes here: uh, Warren Worthington the third is dead. There will not be a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's probably a fourth out there somewhere. Yeah, already. probably. <laughs> it's very cool to have like what Gambit can do if he goes like full. If he, if he's not worried about like if he's just willing to destroy yeah. a person basically, mm-hmm. yeah, he just absolutely. turns them into an explosion. And again, art looks sick. This is an interesting callback to the Claremont era too, because like Callisto initially kidnapped, like when the Morlocks are introduced, Callisto oh, initially yeah, kidnaps Warren and wants to like kill him. Um, and so this is kind of like a nice part where to, to quote george lucas for a second of all fucking people um to th- where the story rhymes which is <laughs> he's he has plagued me hearing that quote ruined my life i noticed these things and i go oh it's a story rhyming yeah george, right <laughs> it's, it's not wrong you just have to accept it accept it into your heart yeah well, he's right, that, right. That he, when he's right he's right <laughs> i like callisto i enjoy when callisto turns up i think she's a cool character um, yeah, she's very she's cool. She's very cool, yeah. And she just kind of turns up and is cool. Everyone's pretty chill about Angel having been blasted into pieces. Like, I get it <laughs> from the Morlock side, but, like, Gambit knew that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, he asked him if, there was, if, he was, if he was still in there, and he got no response. <laughs> so, like, you just gotta do what you gotta do. I really like the Morlock shanty. Yeah. The, like, uh, what is it, um, Irene says so, Irene knows so, it's the idea that they're just like, look, you know, you're, you're gonna die, Irene, Irene already told us, <laughs> like, or like, pre- presumably she's telling you so that you can go off and die on some glorious purpose for her <laughs> aims. I think uh, if Irene knew everything she claims to, she wouldn't have been fucking around in Central Park when the massacre was going on. All right. Yeah. I I really like the zombie fight havoc still. Like, 
Oh just... yeah, his arms at the end too. <laughs> yeah, they're so cool. He's like has bloodshot eyes, really pale skin. Uh, the speech bubbles are fucked up. Wiggly speech it's like bubbles, he's gravelly. Yeah, and once he uses his power, his his arms are literally bubbling. There are bubbles of flesh emerging and bursting through his clothes. Yeah, he says, oh god, what's happened to my arms? To which Maddie responds, That's an understatement. <laughs> Don't dwell on appearances, Alex. I love you for what's on the inside. I hadn't actually, like, that. the face he's making in that panel is incredible. That's like, that's, that's an emoji, like, <laughs> waiting to happen. <laughs> He's just like, ah, yeah. And it's, again, kind of a thing that came up in like Sabretooth and a few other places. The idea of people being like, yeah, we still don't trust this. I mean, here you're being asked to trust literal hell. <laughs> yeah. So it's understandable. But that people are like, yeah, mutants have a long history of getting fucked over. We do not trust these new people who show up and say, we're going to stop you getting fucked over. Like, it didn't work the last seven times. <laughs> I, it's like, I'm not dying on another island. I'm not, like, going through another portal. I'm good. It's good. Um, and, and as you said before, it's, it's fun to have, uh, like, an issue where it's, you know, Basically, the 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 people, largely villainous or at least roguish, or amateur elements of X Men, who are like, yeah, let's do the X Men thing, and then like failing abysmally. So at the end of the issue, like no one's been like had their hope restored. Everyone's worse off. Yeah. Everyone's pretty much worse <laughs> off. Like, and every and they're just sort of like, well, they didn't, you know, die like. So, on to the next mission. <laughs> uh, and then the last page, we get to see Chasm uh, as well, which... This is Ben Riley, Peter Parker's clone, who, in Dark Web, okay. he teamed up with Maddie to uh, try and steal Peter's memories, because he's like losing all his memories, and then... Uh, Maddie kind of betrayed him, so I he's see. just trapped in limbo now. Yeah, so yeah, I didn't read like a jail in limbo. I haven't read Dark Web. I'm not reading Spider Man. So when I got to the last page, I was like, "There's this Venom guy, and he <laughs> takes down his mask, and it's a face that it says it says should be closer to home." And I'm just like that Lex Luthor thing. <laughs> where it's like, I have no idea who this is. The way you can differentiate him from Peter Parker, apart from the art here, which makes him completely yeah, I wouldn't looking. even uh, I wouldn't even have thought yeah. this was Peter Parker. He I, he, he looks a little he's, bit he's young Willem Dafoe in in the art. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> he does. does. He does look like Willem Dafoe. He's he's got those really defined like cheekbones. Yeah, and then he has like a Todd McFarlane as is that Todd McFarlane? Spawn. Yeah. He has yeah, a Todd McFarlane-ass yeah. suit here in the preview for the next one. He, he does. That's, that's did, how his Did Todd McFarlane create Venom as well? Uh, yeah, I feel like he has maybe. one visual that he I thinks think is so. cool. Oh, well, no, because Jim Shooter... Or, well, the, the symbiote suit was Secret Wars original. Okay. 
Well, maybe maybe Lethal Protector, which was when Venom got really big, maybe that was Todd? Yeah, it says Venom was created by uh, David Michelin and Todd McFarlane. Okay. So, yeah, that's after the symbiote left Peter, I guess. Yeah, because for Peter, the symbiote was just like black, it seems like. Yeah, it was just the dark Spider-Man suit. The eyes that look like that and the mouth like that. Oh, and note for next issue, I I don't think uh, Maggot is coming back from the Morlock boat. Yes, he's he's sticking with the Morlocks. Come on, Maggot, and he's like, yeah, about that. And then they cut away. So. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't blame him. I wouldn't <laughs> stick with that team either. <laughs> yeah. And if I could go hang out with Callisto instead? Like... <laughs> on, on a boat? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know Maggot very well, but there's a really great Maggot story in uh, X-Men Unlimited where he, um, he dies, but one of his Maggots doesn't die. Um, and so he gets resurrected with both of his maggots, but the one is sick that hasn't been killed, and the one that was left behind was eating, like, massive amounts of radiation, and so it's grown into a huge kaiju, and is just headed towards Krakoa to reunite with Maggot and destroy <laughs> the, the the false new... Their names are Eni and Meeny, so I think it's the false Eni. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun story. That's neat. I like that. I just had the thought, like, looking at this last page, is that don't just show me, like, a blonde comic man, because I'm not going to be, like, every time Captain (laughs) America shows up, like, out of costume, I'm like, first I was like, who is that? And now it's like, I read a DC comic and I had to remind myself that if there's a blonde man, that's not going to be Captain America immediately, (laughs) because otherwise that would be, like, my base assumption. Yeah. Um... Kazan isn't a very interesting character to me, uh, so who knows what will go on with Kazan next issue. Uh, Jean Grey, number three, written by Louise Simonson, art by Bernard Chang, colours by Marcelo Maialo. Uh, Jean is still untethered in time and space, but she's vaguely aware of Hope and Exodus trying to make contact with her in the White Hot Room. The what-if scenario she sets up in this issue is what if she had rescued Cable as a baby before the Inferno began. Madeline kills Sinister when the baby isn't brought to her and combines the power of magic, the phoenix, and Sim's techno-organic virus to become even more powerful than she previously was. She plans to use Nathan's death to open a limbo portal so she can rule Earth, but Jean tries to fight her off. She fails and New York is destroyed, ending the vision and leaving Jean to face down other versions of herself. Um, first, first thing... The, the cover of this comic, it's it's Dragon Ball, right? Does it read as Dragon Ball to everyone else? <laughs> oh, it does. I, so. My yeah, Dragon Ball knowledge yeah. isn't uh, is nothing. So, but I believe you. She's she's doing a kamehameha, like she's oh, charging sure. one up. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I like Madeline is kind of doing a is kind of doing a Frieza pose. I, I went looking to see if there was a specific Dragon Ball moment I could find that this was, but I couldn't quite. But I do believe yeah. that this is. I see it. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a very good cover. I was reading a DC comic yesterday. It was also drawn by Bernard Chang, and he's just so good. This art is 
incredible. This, it's this cover is Amy Reader, yeah. not Bernard Chang. Oh uh, yeah, but I was already flipping really over to the rest but, yeah. of the issue. Like. Just, the, yeah, the cover is also like they both knocked it out of the yeah. park. But like, I pay pay turning every single page. Like Bernard Chang is work is stunning. Yeah, there is not. <laughs> I I really love that he can like bring like different textures too. Like we have these these images where like Gene is remembering. Like, Jean right now, current day, is, like, rendered, like, in this, like, plastic or this, like, kind of, you know, more three-dimensional way. And then all the panels in the background are, like, way more, like, 2D, like, way more cartoony or, like, uh, uh, o- older comic-y, I guess. Like, I, I just really love the the way he can, like, switch between those two modes. This is great from um, Bernard Chang here. This issue more than most, like, really lets him show off, <laughs> for, for lack of a better term. Like, we get, like, infernoed up New York from him. We get, like, a bunch of, like, really brilliant, like, Maddie and Jean stuff. Yeah, that panel of Times Square is ridiculously good. It's insane. <laughs> it's so good. There's, there's the, like, a bunch of demons, which are, like, again, brilliant. Sinister looks great. It's, it's, again, every page, like, brilliant art. Even, like, the demon Nasir looks good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As silly as he is. The, 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 like, powered up version of Madeline that's, like, she has too much going on and it like kind of shouldn't work, I think, mm-hmm. but he like manages it, yeah. you know? Like the, all the spikes coming out of her and the the weird the It's very the weird costume. Like she looks kinda like Hellraiser. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like like uh what are they called? The monsters. Cenobites. Oh, but the funniest moment in the book is when Gene puts Nathan in the baby hole. <laughs> Ship, protect him. Shoves into the baby hole. <laughs> Slam yeah. shot the doors. That's so Gene, though. <laughs> like, does Gene ever, like, raise a child? Actually? Yes. Because Gene and Cyclops go to the future and uh, raise uh, Cable, but they're both pretending to not be Gene and... And so they go by Cyclops. Red and Slim instead as his foster parents. But they they live there for like a decade and raise him I from see. childhood to adulthood. And then it's like five years later before it actually happens right before Age of or um Age of Apocalypse. And they have a moment where Cable's like, Oh uh, or they're they think the world's gonna end, so they're like, Cable, we have something to tell you and he's like Oh yeah, I, I always knew. I just figured there was some reason you didn't want to talk about it. So, which is a funny thing to do. And the answer for why they didn't want to talk about it is they're both socially awkward. They both they both have have trouble communicating. It is not more complicated than that. Yeah, or I thought it was like Professor X told them it could break the time stream or something. Maybe, some maybe bullshit he like did, that. but that sounds like bullshit to me. <laughs> I also yeah. like the idea that that means that, like, Gene and Scott are just ten years older than, like, Beast and um, Iceman and everybody else. 
But I guess maybe Jean got some of those years back when she was dead. (laughs) Yeah, don't do the math. Like, that's like, I feel like that's the number one rule on It's it's, it's funny for a second, and then you try and figure it out, and your brain breaks. (laughs) Yeah, I was just gonna, what the fuck was I gonna say? Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, like, uh... Like the the reason why I even asked if if they ever actually like raised the child is that Jean does not seem like the person who is like able to like gently like mother a child and like calm down a baby when it's crying like things like that. <laughs> like the well, they have the they have baby Nathan with them or Christopher, depending on which name you want to yeah. choose. Um. They have him with them for, like, two arcs after Inferno, one of which he's kidnapped for, um, (laughs) and then, uh, Rachel shows up from a different future as Ascani and says, um, after, uh, Apocalypse gives Nathan the virus he has, he gives Cable the virus he has. And then Rachel shows up and says the only place that he can keep this virus under control is in this apocalyptic future with me. And she takes him into the future with her to raise him, where eventually he's reunited with like a different points version of his parents that foster raise him. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, Summer's family tree. It's yeah, great stuff. it's it's so simple and easy to read. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for this for this issue, I had a bit less uh, to. This was a bit less meaty or a bit less interesting for me personally because for the previous two, I have read the events that well i haven't read the one where they went back to the past uh or back to the you know the teen versions but that was easy enough to understand and i have read dark phoenix i haven't read inferno so uh i think this probably would have hit like harder plot wise if i had read it but it's still like you know still like a fun like it's just so good to look at (laughs) overall what it ends up doing is kind of like giving you like a very clean version of the yeah. plots of inferno for the most part yeah that's um, what i felt like like, like if you, i i wasn't able to tell if this is like a what if or if this is just what happened in inferno basically it is it's it's in part a what if what changes here is um gene saves baby nathan and then all of that is different from there mm-hmm. what is ends up actually happening in inferno is a a demon kidnaps the baby so nastir is able to hold on to his control over madeline for longer the x-men have to fight their way to the empire state building which is giant and evil and nastir kills sim absorbs the techno virus or the the phalanx virus or whatever virus it is and then is super evil and then I think what ends up happening is Madeline sacrifices herself in the, a very similar way that Jean does to defeat Nastir. All of her memories are put into Jean's head and Sinister shows up and fucks with her head a bit and tries to kill them while they're at their worst. Fantastic. It's, yeah, it's it's like a very interesting very organic but it's super fucking complicated it's yeah. probably the most complicated of the of the huge versions do you guys like this picture i posted of their ship from this period in the comics um parked 
in front of the Twin Towers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ship she puts the baby hole in. Fantastic. It's not, not quite as big in this comic. Off. It's it's supposed to be really, really fucking big. Yeah, good lord. Because uh, this ship is um, in Eternals, or it was made by the, the the gods. What are the gods of the Eternals called? Celestials. Celestials it's a yeah. celestial ship, ship that Apocalypse kidnapped, reprogrammed. The X-Men steal from Apocalypse. They reprogram. It's uh, at some point reunited with the Celestials, but then they reject it because it is now a mutant ship. Classic. Also happening in Jed McKay's Avengers right now. <laughs> Basically right. the same thing. Well, when you're going to steal, steal from the best. It's fun to see Mr. Sinister again. This is his, like, before he got yesified, like... <laughs> Before he yeah, got to just super evil. see him get owned. Like, b- before Kieran Gillen made him, like, camp. <laughs> Basically. He's, you know, he has short hair still. Which is uh, weird. I have two final thoughts. One, which is just to say, again, that the art is truly brilliant. Um, I, I was just looking at, like, how how um, Bernard Chung draws like energy beams and stuff. Madeline's like blasting at Jean, and there's these two like distinct like crackling beams of like energy against each other. It's like it's it's very easy to sort of just do two lasers blasting each other in like one block color, but these are like single block colors like moving in very like deliberate and interesting visual patterns, which really like evoke something specific um which i think is looks sick great (laughs) and then the only other thing is we get the we get the phoenix directly speaking to gene being like hey i can bring you back to life Mm -hmm. um and then and then telling her to die if she (laughs) if she's gonna refuse yeah, you see at the very beginning those first little cracks with Hope and uh, Exodus being there. It's very cool. It, it is like that last issue, what's the big decision going to be? Because it's like, I accepted the Phoenix, I sent the power to others, I rejected the Phoenix. Every choice meant death and destruction. What, what do I do instead? Or like, what way can I interact with the Phoenix that doesn't go bad i'm very interested to see what conclusion i'm I'm so excited to see how like this and then immortal is gonna pay off on this whole gene thing yeah yeah it's gonna be sick says ashes to ashes enough said (laughs) (laughs) which Which is one of the uh storylines within I see. Um, it's, it's an older X-Men storyline. I thought it happened it, within Inferno, but I might be misremembering when Ashes to Ashes happens. Because there's, it, I believe, right after Inferno is Ashes to Ashes, and then Dust to Dust, where uh, Maddie's funeral happens. But I didn't check. Email us at HatedInFeared if I'm HatedXFeared at gmail.com if you want to <laughs> correct me there if I'm wrong. I don't... 
I, I love just seeing all the different Jean designs as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, the moment where she's like, "What do you want from us, the old Jeans?" <laughs> kind of Spider-Man by Sizeburia, art by Lee Garbett, colors by Matt Miller. Nightcrawler is trying to help Mystique, but she's still disoriented and doesn't recognize him. Dagger Scoot. <laughs> the I name isn't Dagger Scoot. Dagger scoots by to say hello and set up that cloak is missing. Orcus send a mind-controlled rhino and the Silver Sable's crew to capture Nightcrawler, but he escapes into the sewers with Silver Sable. They flirt a bunch until Rhino digs down to meet them, and then Nightcrawler teleports him away and escapes. This was great. <laughs> I love this issue. Yeah, that's very old. <laughs> It's interesting to me that uh, Sizeperia has been, like, doing his Nightcrawler run throughout, like, these, like, past few eras, and, like, Way of X was interesting, and Legion of X kind of failed, like, to be good, I guess. Like, it was <laughs> way too complicated and didn't quite seem the... And at, at this point, he's just, like, having fun with, uh, with Kurt Wagner in a way that he maybe should have had like all along like this is the most yeah. enjoyable Nightcrawler has been throughout this Krakoa era I agree um, I, I really like the like three panels of Mystique constantly shifting mm. as like yeah um, and her just being like by X-Men Blue Origins on some <laughs> Xbox. Is that gonna be before or after? Okay, no. First Uncanny is gonna... Uncanny Spider-Man 4, and then after that is X-Men Blue Origins. But there is an Uncanny Spider-Man 5. Oh, okay. So it's not after the whole series, but... Yeah, I... So he's, he's, he's kind of getting six issues out of this. Good for <laughs> yeah. him. A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. I think, uh, like, Origins Blue might be, like, more focused on Mystique, though. Like, she might be the main character of it. Yeah, yeah. it might be a flashback, but it's probably gonna tie into, like, whatever is going on with Mystique here, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it might even be extra-sized, so he might get even more out of it. I think it's confirmed yeah. that it's gonna be bigger, mm. but I, I don't know. Um, there's, there's a funny line here where he says, uh, resisting like Xavier is what scrambled Mystique's brain, but it was definitely the landing that scrambled her <laughs> brain. But... Well, little column A, little column B. He wasn't so. there. He didn't see it. He was yeah. in Central Park. <laughs> I really like that he just doesn't think to take his fucking mask off. <laughs> He's like, no, yeah. it's me. It also <laughs> says a lot about their relationship that it like takes a minute for him to even like call her any like maternal name. Yeah. yeah. Like when he's on the ground, like having been fully rejected by her before he says like um how do you pronounce that? Mother but moiter Muta. And then he just looks so sad staring at the tunnel while she runs yeah. away. <laughs> like He's he like he's having some swashbuckling fun, but he does have the depression. <laughs> I mean, even like, if he had taken off the mask, it would have been like you know, she's looking for a baby, not a yeah. grown man. True, true. Yeah, she probably would have been like, ah, it's a trick. Yeah, you're you're, you're Azazel. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that uh, Kurt is like running down the current version. Basically, like he's like. 
Wait, this destiny hasn't involved with this. You're posing as the wife of Count Wagner and you had an affair with a villain called Azazel. Like, I guess it is going to be, like, explicitly addressed, the whole Azazel thing. If Azazel did Blueface, I would cancel him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready to cancel him anyway, so... (laughs) I'm ready to cancel him. I still love his little, like, demon... I've come round to the little demon. You know when Danny DeVito's that satyr in Hercules? That's what it really reminds yes. me of in, in these panels. It's, it's, I'm, reading, I'm reading the little demon in Danny DeVito voice now, so... He says, yeah. It which, really is uh, doing those poses. Immediately is like... gonna endear me to him, so... Yeah. He's, he's such a good, like metaphor for anxiety too like that's mm-hmm. exactly how it hits for me it's like there's a little fucked up guy over my shoulder who's being an <laughs> asshole the whole time Cl- cloak or no dagger i'll never fucking remember which is which even though it's very obvious because one of them is a giant cloak <laughs> first time i read this i was just like how oh, weird that uh, she showed up and then the second time it was like oh it's just setting up that cloak's being kidnapped by orcus right yeah <laughs> like i'm how did i not notice that the first time <laughs> It's just like, this will come up in issue three or four. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, definitely. Just, but it is nice to have them, or have that sort of check-in of like, they, yeah, they have been X-Men adjacent for a long time, and like, they're dealing with shit as well, and uh, I like Cloak and Dagger. They're, they're nice. Yeah, they show up in the New Mutants uh, a few times. They have like, overlaps with the New Mutants. Like, there's a point where they lose their powers... Because they give, like, essentially they amp up the powers of Wolfsbane and Sunspot because they push their powers onto them. Um, Cool. And, like, they got their powers from drugs that are similar to, like, the the mutant drugs they were taking in Iceman a few issues ago. Mm. So they definitely are, for sure, mutant adjacent. Um, I like the little visual joke that that, that Dagger has um, a scooter. Uh, that she has presumably been going around on now that she doesn't have cloak to teleport her places. <laughs> she stole yeah. the scooter. She <laughs> snagged it off the street. <laughs> yeah, I mean, scooters are free, basically, so... <laughs> They're common good for, like, uh, superheroes in need. Then we get a classic rhino entrance. He smashes through some shit and comes the into the comic. The rhino is here. And uh, I think I think Kiwi was like last issue. Like I don't I don't know how the Rhino could figure him because he's good now. <laughs> well, yeah, here it is. <laughs> yeah, he's he works for Orcus. He's got a big glowing Orcus label on his chest, <laughs> and a big glowing gemstone turning him evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, is he under some sort of like mind control? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> They the they say that that's me. how I the. I was just like, he'll do it. <laughs> there's a there's a bit where it's like that's what the uh, when Nightcrawler in demon form was like killing people. He also had like the glowing thing. Uh, I think it, they say it in the data page. It, it feels um, it, it it feels a little bit like. Oh, uh, a lot of Legion of X felt like it was trying to cram like a lot of ideas and set up into a, a very small amount of comic book, and this feels like one yeah. of the things that, that just didn't get into one of the earlier issues. 
at it because I believe he does have this headpiece on. It's just never explained before this. That makes so sense. So I think it's explained in Rogue and Gambit. <laughs> um, of course. So in Rogue and Gambit, they're facing off against the power broker who has kidnapped Manifold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's he's controlling Manifold in the same way. Yes, basically. in the same way with a remote-type deal. He's figured out how to control anyone with superpowers. There's a variety of, like, villains he's already kidnapped. The Juggernaut is one, which I didn't think made sense at the time. <laughs> and so, mentally, I'm just going to pretend that was the Rhino. Well, because the Juggernaut was on uh, Legion of X yeah. at the same time, and so it kind of, like, clashed. Um, but I, I think... I think that's where this is coming from, where this Orcus controlling superpowered beings with their minds first popped up. But it makes that's sense neat. for a thing that like the Vulture is working yeah. on now that Yeah, um, that's the, the data page has been taken uh, down. The data page is called Orcus Project Lycorgos. Lycorgos, I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced, uh says uh Director Blank Director Redacted AK Vulture as the <laughs> Sponsor of this program, and he, uh, yeah, it's a uh, portable Let's microtechnology uh, licorice, licorice, a uh, portable microtechnology capable of manipulating action, behavior, reaction of living human subject by means of cerebral stimulation. Um, and it says it was field tested, uh, attached to the frontal lobe of a mutant captive who was deployed against civilian targets. Which uh, affected a murderous rage in the captive. So that's what they're doing to the rhino now. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they should do no, that. No, it's not <laughs> nice of them. I think they might be the in bad the guys. in the data page. I know they're blacking out like Director Tombs, but it would be hilarious if you remove that black and it just said Director Vulture, <laughs> aka Vulture. <laughs> It's, um, it's that and uh, Technarch, I think, is the other thing that gets redacted. Also, there is some mention of him being obsessed with long life, which came up last time and I said I didn't know anything about <laughs> yeah. it, but that is a thing. Okay. Oh, and um, their cameras all conveniently get broken during the fight right as Nightcrawler's mask comes off. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's the guy in the van. They cut to him, and all of his screens say "malfunction" or "control frequency corrupted." Oh yeah, yeah, because he's because there's some weird shit going on there. I think that's supposed to say he's lost the cameras, but also uh, the ability to stop. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Also, there is a. I I just overlooked it, but there is a panel where they show that it's the same piece that Nightcrawler was wearing. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, I don't know if it was as clear in the first issue, but I really like how glowy his eyes are. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like a cool effect, and it works to differentiate him from just being a Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Like, and it fits with the the Hope Sword. Um, I love the sword. It's very funny that they're just they're just like the sword is so hey, that cool. wasn't on the file. <laughs> yeah. This needs to this needs to keep being a Nightcrawler's thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just so cool, cool to have, to have him like have a glowing magic sword. And it's like he's a sword fighter. 
He always has been. Yeah. Silver Sable says, uh, magic disappearing sword and unexpectedly soft tail. What a day of surprises, <laughs> Mr. Wagner. It's, it's a fun bit of dialogue. She does not let go of his tail for the next six pages <laughs> so or something. It, like, keeps... Keeps getting funnier where she likes when she's like still holding on to it. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, it must be your mutant pheromones. And he's like, No, baby. That's not my deal, actually. I, I love that bit. Like this is this is such a good contrast to the uncanny Avengers stuff where it was like, Where's this flirtation coming from? Uh why do they suddenly kiss? And in this one it's like You can just buy into like Anyone who is in a dark alley with Nightcrawler is just gonna start making out <laughs> with him, because why not? It's an answer for what's up with the tail, because for Spider-Man was like, hey, did you like add a tail <laughs> to the suit or so? And it's just like, no, he he makes the tail black because he has that power to blend in with shadows, which we <laughs> right was was mentioned last That's issue. That's why he's a Nightcrawler for like forty years. <laughs> yeah, so he can just do that selectively. Which it would cool. be funny if the other thing that hasn't come up in a long time, that it's, like, painful and, like, gives you essentially seasickness to teleport, <laughs> came up here, like, right as their romance is about to start, like, Silver Sable is just <laughs> vomiting all over the place. Oh, what was that? Look, he's he's gotten a lot better at teleporting. He's gotten a lot since, better at since teleporting then. since then. So, so much so that he's able to teleport into a tunnel he has no clue is there. Which I thought... That worked. That was cute. When he goes, yeah, leaps of faith, that's my thing. He's talking about it, and it's pure black, and she's like, oh yeah, you can see in the dark. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I also like his little, like, uh, James Bond line, when Rhino catches up with them in the sewers again. And he's like, I'm gonna teleport someone away from here. And she's like, oh, where, where would you take me? And he's like, ah, Fraulein, where wouldn't I? But alas, I didn't mean you. And then it's a little wave as he hops over to Rhino. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. This, this one's a lot of fun. <laughs> I also really like the the art of Rhino falling just flat, <laughs> <laughs> just smush hitting on her because he's been to her home country like when he was a kid. And like, oh, I recognize your accent. Oh, nobody ever recognizes my accent. <laughs> Well, 20 years ago, I was sitting in your hometown watching the sunrise as these beautiful birds sang. And also, that's what your eyes look like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's laying it on very thick, but, like, it works. It yeah, truly does. No. I mean, it's coming from Nightcrawler. It's always going to work. <laughs> yeah. And then it's just, like, the, the light comes on and it's just his, his big handsome face. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, and I love the final panel where she's like, hmm, it's maybe more challenging than we thought. <laughs> it's like being real conflicted about how attracted she is to him. I hope it keeps us up this energy for the next, for the yeah. next, till, till, till the end of this, because this is a, yeah. it's a lot of fun. I mean, I think it has the I juice. Make this an ongoing. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. Just have him be Spider-Man for like a year. I don't, I would, I would be so down. Yep. I mean, I'm glad it's getting the five issues plus the origins because uh, it means it might not be that rushed. Um, and I think like this one has like just the right scale 
that that I'm not worried that it's gonna like either tread water or like not keep up the momentum. Uh, that's the same thing. Or being too quick, basically. Like. I, I, yeah, there's been a good amount of stuff in these first two issues. Like, it's been well balanced. Yeah, it's just really good. Uh, really well paced. Do we have any final thoughts on Uncanny Spider-Man before we move on to what we've been reading outside of X? That that covers it for me, I think. Did 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 I mention that I like the art in this one as well? Like, uh, another one with good yeah, art. The art's very, very good. The art's good. sick, yeah. It doesn't. I think it, it resonates a little closer to like a typical Marvel House style than the other books we were fawning over. But it like it it is so good. It is incredible. <clears throat> and this really is the Spider Manness of it, right? Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. It lends itself to being like within the greater Marvel canon, like more closely by the nature of what the story is. Yeah. Like the action is just so well done in the way it does the like spider many like jumps combined with the nightcrawler bamfs yeah big big really natural and kinetic yeah good book i don't have anything else to say uh other than this this one's a thumbs up all right who would like to go first with what else we've been reading or want to recommend or whatever? I mean, I'll segue into, because uh, I haven't been able to do, like, a ton of comic reading other than, like, current stuff. Uh, but since we already talked about uh, Uncanny Spider-Man, our shout-out Flash. Uh, Flash number two also came out uh, in the same week, and I'm really digging the Sysperia, like, Flash uh, <laughs> runs so far. It feels very ambitious. Uh, it's got uh, Mike Diodato Jr. does the art, and it's uh, leaning into, like, some, like, very sci-fi horror, like, weird horror type, like, almost body horror type stuff. Like, it's, there's, like, some monsters glitching through universes and also the flash keeps like glitching out <laughs> of the universe and uh out of the speed force there's something weird going on with it um it's not clear yet but i am very like, i am i am hooked uh as i was reading like slogging through some of the like less interesting books of these uh, of these like x releases like switched over like okay i read flash like take a break from the xbox i read flash and it was like really like a breath of fresh air like compared to the ones that uh to you know alpha flight <laughs> um i also give a second shout out to like because i mentioned the bernard chang art uh i started reading monkey prince which was a Oh, that's the one he's on. Well, not anymore. It was like a 12-issue, like, limited series uh, last year in DC, uh, which uh, Jin Luan Yang uh, is the writer and Bernard Chang, the artist. Uh, so it's two, you know, two Chinese-American artists and it's about a Chinese-American kid in Gotham who's 
parents are working with the penguin uh and he got he's got childhood trauma from seeing batman fight his parents and never explained uh, and then you know he gets superpowers uh, and becomes the monkey prince um and there's a ton of mystery that i haven't discovered yet because i'm only like two issues in but <laughs> you know the art is really great it's uh cool to see you know a, a mainstream comic book have like a chinese american focus uh i i know jin lu and yang is like a really acclaimed comic writer like with his uh with his graphic novels yeah, he's, he's done a bunch yeah. of stuff i'm still kind of just reading like way of kings book of the new sun Hunger Games, like anti recommendation for Hunger Games. I don't think those books are <laughs> no. really good. Um, if if I, I mean maybe they'd be better if I was reading more than like two two chapters every two weeks, or or maybe I would be more annoyed at them. I don't know. Um, but apart from that, uh, all I've been doing is playing Dwarf Fortress. Oh yeah. Um, which is one of the coolest good games game. that exists, kind of. Um, God, I got a nice fourth. That's like the got to hit the population cap. I'm like, I'm gonna gonna get the the dwarf king in at some point, and uh, just like building up a bunch of shit. Um, it's very fun, and I just love to watch my my little guys go around and dig dig, dig out massive massive tunnels because I need so much ore to 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 build all the stuff I want to do. Um. And it's like, yeah, hit hit like 100 hours played on Steam because I've just like suddenly a couple of weeks ago, there's like, I, I played like 80 hours the start of this year in like January and I just basically didn't touch it until a couple of weeks ago. But it was just like every now and again, I would see something about rocks and I would think about Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> so is... I'd be like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Because there's so many different types of rocks in there, and like none of them really matter except for what color they are. But every time I would just be like, ah, fuck. Like I was in the British Museum, <laughs> and I, there was like a thing about um, how jade is you was used in like the Chinese in like um, thousands of years ago in like Chinese, and still obviously to this day, but like specifically like very old sort of. Um, crude cruder like jade things and i was just like ah oh, yeah i should play dwarf fortress <laughs> um and then i had that same thing happen a couple of weeks ago and i actually did play dwarf fortress and now it's just been like the only thing i do um for half the evening which is pretty great it's a great it's, game it's a game that's really easy to to sink a lot of time into um i i have to restrain myself from from playing it too much, I get way too absorbed. Um, it's I generally just was like when when I did play it, like when it came out on the Steam release, would just like talk about just spend like half the day playing Dwarf Fortress, and in in the 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 evening talk to my friends about what my dwarfs were doing in Dwarf Fortress, <laughs> and then wake up the next day and play Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> It's the thing I really enjoyed. It's it's an experience very few other games will give you, which is clicking on one of your little guys, and it will give you a detailed like readout of every thought they've had recently. And I had one person 
who uh, whose only thought for weeks had been that they wanted new socks, and I didn't know how to make <laughs> socks in the fortress. And so I spent the next day trying to find out how to make socks, and they didn't want the socks that I'd made. It was tragic for me because oh, no. I only had like alpaca wool or something, and they their carriage trait was that they hated alpaca wool. So they're like, "I'm not wearing these socks." Um, oh. uh, yeah, truly a, a game of all time. I, I also recommend Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's just like, and just the fact that it's been like in development for 20 years and is like, I don't know, I think 60% done is the last estimate they gave. Just, just, uh, it's, they're, they're, they're building a cathedral. Like, <laughs> yeah. It turns out that when you work somewhere even tangentially related to a haunted house, <laughs> you are. Not you don't have any free time in the month of October. Yeah, my goodness. So I've been incredibly busy. Um, I've been this last week. I have only read like nine issues of uh, Excalibur, and then I like went and I was like, I want something dumb to read. But the thing that happens to me when I work a lot is I don't have the energy to look up new things. That's my problem. <laughs> So I was like, what's something I can read? Oh, the Chuck Austin run on <laughs> X-Men. That'll be perfect. No. And so I guess that's my anti-recommendation, is that I read several <laughs> issues of the Chuck Austin run. The Chuck Austin run has such exciting things established as, uh, why did Havoc sleep through 9-11? <laughs> um, Those can't get AIDS. <laughs> Um, and, like, I've seen people argue about how you shouldn't care about the age discourse between Angel and Husk online because of the sliding timescale, and that's valid until you read the page <laughs> where they point out it's a problematic age gap. That's text, folks. That's text. <laughs> Warren Worthington is cancelled, and I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> it has been... Or it's been funny seeing you post those few things because, like, a few those months three ago... examples were all in the same book. Too. I just want the <laughs> listener to understand that. <laughs> a few months ago, there's someone in another Discord I'm in who read through the entire Chuck Austin run and would just periodically post the worst shit, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, Nick, Nick's already getting to some of it." <laughs> like that's right at the start. And it's Chuck just Austin. Like, eventually redeems himself from this work by helping produce the She-Ra TV show. You know, he had a oh good art as a character. <laughs> but this this book is so aggressively misogynistic it's fucking wild. <laughs> like, all of the women hate each other for being women. All of the women want to sleep with all of the men. Like... Angel and Bobby cannot have a conversation in public without a woman trying to sleep with one of the two of them. Oh, and Stacy X is in there, who's like a sex worker character, right? Yeah. And her entire tenure in that book. And I didn't read like her joining the team. She's in the team when Chuck Austin takes the book on. Every character is so mad 
that a sex worker is on the team. <laughs> they say the most insulting shit to her about it. And then eventually she just leaves, like, unceremoniously. And she leaves behind a, a like, a horny tape of herself for Angel to enjoy. <laughs> but, like, there is no, at any point, like, arc for that character. Nothing is addressed with how everyone is being absolutely fucking awful to her all the time for no real reason. Like, she's being a very helpful and productive member of the team most of the time. <laughs> like, this this poor fucking character got treated so poorly. I don't know. And I had never even heard of her before. <laughs> Bad times. No, I've, I've, I've read something about, like, someone who, like, read through, like, Chuck Austin's previous comics work before doing X-Men and, like, his brief comic work after that. And, uh... It seems like everything as he wrote was like in some way softcore pornographic, like literally like softcore porno comics. Very, yeah, no, that's what this reads like. It like it reads like um like a a drama on a, like a a CBS or ABC NBC drama from like the early two thousands, which is when it was written. That's incredibly horny. Like it reads like a Desperate Housewives. It's it's. <laughs> Every every scene, even when they're fighting, it feels like a setup for someone to fuck. <laughs> and that's why the Juggernaut stuff is the best, because he's just trying to mentor a kid. He is not trying to fuck anyone. <laughs> and but even that stuff is like wild, because like Juggernaut and this child will be playing catch, and Juggernaut will be like, "Okay, kid, name the top five hottest at women at Xavier's," <laughs> and that's the dialogue that's going on, and it's like. Cool. Great stuff. Great. I'm glad I'm reading this. He wrote a... Uh, this was after... X-Men. He wrote a manga. Like, an originally English language manga with, like, a Japanese artist called Boys of Summer. I'm just gonna post here in the chat what the first volume of it looked like. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, surely not. <laughs> oh. I, I guess look it That's up if you want uniform. to, or uh, it, this is, it's supposed to be like the, it's it's like a sports manga, a baseball sports manga, and the guy in the background is supposed to be the main character, but in the foreground there's a girl just like, in... And she's taking her uniform yeah. off, and she's just in her underwear, like she's actively stripping on the cover. Yeah. Like, to the camera. This, this character has to be... No, okay. Apparently, they're 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 eighteen. Oh, so that's okay. Um, was not. I the, the on this Wikipedia page, the description of the main character. The main character Bud is a horny, perverted teenage boy. <laughs> uh, what are we going to do next time? We're gonna skip a week again, right? Yeah, because yeah, there's only yeah, one. Only two weeks. From yeah, because this week it's only X Men Twenty Eight that's coming out. So yeah. Yeah, so next time oh, we'll shit. have four books to talk about. Oh, this is going to be a ba banger uh, week. We have X-Men 28, X-Force 46, X-Men Red 17, and Uncanny Spider-Man 3. Oh, hell yeah. yeah Two weeks between Spider-Mans. Yeah, because yeah, it started so late. That's pretty good. Yeah, it started Ooh. last. And then, yeah, it's only two weeks until the next issue after Crazy. as well. 
that does not that uh, gets me a bit worried that we might have a um, fill-in artist. Yeah, I'm just looking through the info on Uncanny Spider-Man on Marvel, and it seems like it's going to be the same artist on all of the issues, at least. So, cool. Hope so. Okay, well, this has been hated and feared. Uh, my name is Nick. I've been joined by Janos, Kiwi, and Holly. Resist. 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 <laughs> oh, and our intro and outro are uh, Welcome to My Island by Caroline Polachek. We're produced by Good Episode Productions. Um, and uh, you should rate us on Apple iTunes and tell your friends about us and email us. I sent the email earlier. It'll be in the description. Okay, resist. Yeah, please Bye. send us emails. Bye. Bye. <laughs> the good guys especially me i was like you once alone unsure what i was afraid to show my face can you believe it and if you can believe it just reading the language is like time is classical <laughs> Just you and your affection Cause nothing's gonna be the same again, no, no